When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. Welcome to my world. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 147 of the DCAU Review. I am Liam, and with me as he always is, is Cal. Cal, we are wrapping up our latest day in the year 2000, I mean 50 years from now, whenever now is. Uh, that is our final week of Batman Beyond, for the time being. That's right, yeah, we're, we uh, we had a nice little stay here, and I mean, realization is, is we don't have that many Batman Beyond episodes left to cover uh, in, in reality, so it's... You know, we've kind of been saving these up because we do love this series so much. And we, you know, we've talked about some options about revisiting some of the episodes that we've covered in in new and unique ways, uh, just because obviously we we care about these shows and love these shows so much. But yeah, uh, we are uh, we are covering the next episode. I believe we decided this was air date order, not production order for the way that they did it on the DVDs and Blu-rays. Um, but uh, this episode this, this week is called Sneak Peek, uh, which deals with a little bit of commentary on, I guess, the media a little bit, uh, but also is just kind of a fun story uh, involving what would happen if somebody found out uh, the identities of 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 Batman and uh, and that Bruce Wayne was formerly Batman. That's right, Cal, and we will get into our four main categories, as we always do. But before we get there, of course, I must uh, hit us and hit the listeners with the official IMDb synopsis for this week's episode. Excelente. Yes, that's right. As you said, sneak peek. This originally aired on the kids WB back on March 25th. 2000 putting us just a little shy of the 21 year anniversary of this episode that's right and this is for the episode sneak peek as mentioned which is written by alan burnett and stan berkowitz it is directed by dan reba with music by lolita ritmanis and animation by coco slash dong yang and that synopsis reads as such an arrogantly intrusive reporter with a special ability to become intangible discovers Terry and Bruce's big secret. That he does. There's a lot of, there was a, there was a lot of syllables in that, <laughs> in that one. They, they decided er- they wanted to fill up the page uh, uh, with larger sounding words. And uh, so, because they, you know, they, they had to, they had to really space things out there. So okay, that's like, yeah, it's like when you get a paper that's a page length instead of word, <laughs> word length. And so you use like a bigger font and you try to use, use as many big words and extra adjectives as you can. Uh, so uh, once again, I will ask that the IMDB uh, synopsis writer see me after class as I have some <laughs> notes, but yes, that can move us into the plot here, Cal. So as you mentioned, there's, this uh, this guy by the name of Simon Peake, who is uh, this sort of, uh, I guess, Entertainment Tonight, or I guess the more modern one would be TMZ. He's, but he's kind of both, right? Because he's he's both, a, a, you know, the the entertainment news anchor, but he's also the cameraman sneaking in and somehow getting this incredible footage of different celebrities. Of, as we find out later, uh, people connected to the mob, 
and even of eventually Bruce and Terry themselves, as you mentioned. So yeah, it's like, he's like, he's kind of a one man crew here. He's, he's really hustling for it. Even if he is a bad person. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. I, I think it draws some parallels to some of those, uh, this may be a little bit before your time, but there was, you know, those, uh, there, I think nowadays the inside edition is probably the closest uh, comparison to it. Uh, hard copy was another one in the, in the early nineties that was sort of a, it's a, a a cross between like an entertainment show, but also gossipy TMZ wasn't around quite yet when this was obviously put into production, but yeah, it's a good, good comparison to that where they're using sort of a paparazzi type uh, hidden camera, hidden footage. Hello, Gotham. I'm Ian peak. And on tonight's very special inside peak, I've got gossip to shock your socks off. But first this question who is boxing trainer Jack Turley coaching after hours? Would you believe the champ's girlfriend? I'd watch out, Jack. She's a knockout in more ways than one. And then there's rocker Jamie Gerald. She must know that splicing's against the law. Yet here she is just a day ago, meeting with one of the town's most notorious genetic suppliers. Maybe Hard Rock and Jamie's out to become the real dragon lady of the music biz. And now for our headline story, the strange case of Paxton Powers. Remember him? We haven't heard much from Paxy Boy since he took over Wayne Powers from his blighted father. Maybe it's because Pax has been sidetracked by, uh, personal issues? Looks like he's making up for all that time he wasted in the boonies. Now watch this. The, the opening scrawl that he does is he talks about uh, a, a various various different celebrities that they introduce, including a a boxing instructor that instructor that is uh, that is having an affair with one of his fighters uh, girlfriends. Then we see a, a a rock star of some kind that is using illegal splicing means. Shout out to shout out to all the splicers out there. Uh, and then, uh, and then finally we get a, a little reveal, sort of an inside meta joke a little bit about one Paxson powers who, uh, they mentioned has been MIA, uh, since, since, uh, there's a little pun pun play on, on his uh, father's name there, uh, blight, uh, but he's been MIA and there's some, some raunchy footage of him hanging out in a speedo in a very, uh, in a very excitable state, I guess, with uh, some young ladies at a party. So uh, yeah, it's very, very quickly revealed that this is, this is a guy who is sort of scummy in that he's not doing anything wrong as, as they'll kind of talk about later on, but he's just not, it's very lowbrow to the point where Terry's mom is very concerned that both Matt and Terry are interested in watching this episode or uh, watching this show. Uh, and, it, and it leads to, uh, to Terry's mom giving the uh, worst foreshadowing in the entire series. I think. <laughs> hey, I don't want you watching this. See, I told you I was talking to both of you. Come on. It's just entertainment. You wouldn't find it so entertaining if you were on the receiving end. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit on the nose when she when she tells Terry that uh, that uh, you know you wouldn't like it if you were the subject of of this guy's reporting, and of course later on he in fact is. Uh, but yes, yeah, so that's I guess that's the lesson learned is yeah, like I said, it kind of touches on like oh people that do this type of things are invading people's privacy and they're kind of scummy. But then, you know, Bruce says later in the episode, you can't really arrest him for anything. Like you could slap him on the wrist for trespassing or something, but he's not really, he's not really doing anything wrong. He's just kind of a jerk for the most part. And well, the, the funny thing is, is that Bruce then sort of has some commentary. I, this story was by Alan Burnett. I think you mentioned, and Dan Reba was the director. So there's, there's some, things some slight pretty hilarious comments in here there's a comment that bruce has uh because terry terry goes and there's an alarm that goes off at city hall and bruce makes a, a comment about dealing with politicians that i thought was really funny um mm -hmm. just you know terry has dealt with a lot of danger before but never dealt with politicians so he needed to be extra careful and then bruce bruce later on says you know 
he after he says what he says about not being able to arrest uh to peak he he mentions that what he's he's just kind of a journalist <laughs> like there's <he's> no different <laughs> like so there's a little bit of shade thrown at both journalists and uh and politicians in this episode which uh i am i am for in all in all cases so great job guys <laughs> Peak's the one. He's found a way to move through solid matter. You're sure it's him? During the fight, he went into a closet and disappeared. So what do we do? Call Commissioner Gordon and have him arrested? Arrested? For what? Well, he... he... Trespassing. Peak isn't really a criminal. Unless being a reporter counts. Yeah, but... Um... Well, you know, he the the relationship with Lois did work out and, <laughs> and everything. He's I think he's still a little little sour on uh, on journalists as and, a profession. And at one point, the president or the uh, his his one of his best friends, arch enemies, was running for president of the United States. So that's uh, right. So yeah, maybe he's not a fan of politicians either. <laughs> there you go. But uh, yeah, from from there, it's it's really kind of uh, as you mentioned, he. He breaks into city peak. This guy breaks into city hall to get footage of this mobster, Jimmy Lynn, who's giving uh, some, some dirt, some testimony to uh, Barbara Gordon's husband, Sam, the, uh, the district attorney. And uh, of course, peak is there to capture that on video, but he accidentally runs afoul of a cop who sets off an alarm, which is how we get the kind of the first interaction with Batman. And it's interesting to me, Cal, because this raises maybe the most important uh, question of how all of this works. And we'll probably talk more about uh, this guy's powers in visuals. Uh, But how does this work? Because he can be completely intangible, but also still punch people in the face. Yeah, that was that was weird. Uh, You know, as you mentioned, we're sort of first first introduced to this character and he's he's walking through walls. Uh, That's kind of where we see his his power sort of manifest initially. He's walking through walls and passing through walls, which leads you to believe he's and he's wearing this belt, uh, which leads you to believe that maybe it works uh, similarly to the uh, the so-called invisible man's costume in uh, in in uh in see no evil and batman the animated series episode that we covered back in the archives where it's something he switches on and switches off so maybe you know when he wants to walk through a wall he flips something on the belt and he's able to sort of pass through things but yeah the confusing part comes when he starts fighting batman and he is both like batman goes to punch him and batman's fist goes through him but at the same time, his fist is sort of inside of him a little bit. Like it doesn't seem like it's stuck, but it's like, it's definitely passing through it as if it was Mm -hmm. semi-solid, but definitely not connecting with anything. And then peak also then rears back and and fires a, a solid fist punch right into the jaw of Batman. And it's, yeah, it's very confusing. He gets a, he gets a crate dropped on him and Terry sort of assumes that that has did him in, which, based on the inconsistency of the powers, maybe that, that makes sense, but it, <laughs> but it also, it also just doesn't like it. He walks right out from underneath of the box. Um, you know, ultimately this, this is, it's a weird inconsistent understanding of how physics works. And there's some, there's a throwaway scene where, which ultimately leads to a, a, a semi-large plot point where Terry is sitting in a science class at uh, Hamilton Hill high. And he's talking about uh, the difference between solids and, and I guess uh, he talks about atoms and what's the other one that he talks about. He's talking about atoms and something else, some uh, other s- scientific element. I can't remember exactly. I know he talks specifically though. He's talking about how, you know, solid Terry's asking, is it possible for solid matter to pass through other solid matters? Is there any state where that could happen? Right. And there was the, and, and this, his professor just happens to know that there was one person, one scientist uh, that believed that if, if you vibrated something at a high enough rate that it could pass through another solid object, Uh, Terry goes back to Bruce to talk about this. And wouldn't you know it, this guy used to work for Wayne Enterprises. I knew him well. Nobuo Taka. He developed a theory called vibraspace. 
He thought atoms and molecules could be made to vibrate in such a way that they could pass right through each other. Like that guy from the other night. But what would Taka want from that Tong gangster? Taka died years ago. There was a fire. It destroyed all his research, too. That's right. And I will, I will just mention here, I wonder if, is this technology, can we add in some more retroactive headcanon here and say that this is at least somewhat based on the Flash's abilities? I, I mean, that's sort of what we ultimately know that the Flash can do, right? And, and I, it makes as much sense as, as, as anything else. I'm, I'm for it. Canon until proven otherwise. That's what, that, yeah, that's, that's what we always like to say here. And I, I think there is, like, there's a line somewhere, I think, in one of the JLU episodes where they explain why Flash doesn't do, like, do the vibrating thing much in this in this world but i i can't i can't remember exactly well we'll get to that episode someday and then i'll go oh right <laughs> but uh until then but yeah i i think that's kind of a it's an interesting little wrinkle yes that uh that that wayne enterprises happened to have hired this guy who then died in a somewhat mysterious fire uh, we'll find out later on that uh ian peak is the one who caused that fire um and yeah, it's it's interesting. So once once we have that fight, uh, uh, Terry kind of pretty quickly is able to figure out that this guy is is probably the one doing it, uh, especially after he goes to see him at the uh, at the studio and Jimmy Lynn and some of his other uh, henchmen break in to try to to uh, get revenge on Peak after he exposed him as a as a rat. And uh, Batman defends defends Peak from that, but Peak gets away and uh, happens to see the Batmobile as he's about to escape, and so he plants the hidden camera uh, inside the Batmobile, which is how Terry and Bruce's secrets are ultimately uh, uh, exposed here. And that does lead to, I think, probably the best stuff from a story perspective in the episode, which is uh, the scene of Terry going to see him and telling him, you know, talking about how, uh, you know, whatever you want to do to me, you can do it, but leave, leave Bruce out of this. He's worked too hard. He's done too much to end up, you know, in a, in a media circus this late in his life. I was half expecting you. Come on in. Terry. Once I saw that the old guy was Bruce Wayne, it wasn't hard to figure out who you were. He was the original Batman, wasn't he? wasn't he? I don't care what you do to me, but he doesn't deserve this. He's done too much for the city to wind up in the middle of a media circus. He means a lot to you, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I believe you. I really do. That's the trouble with this business. You meet so many liars, you forget what sincerity sounds like. Want to say it all again while I've got the camera running? Yeah, I really like that. It really it's a really touching scene because it really shows the heart of of Terry and how like they Terry and Bruce have such an interesting dynamic to their relationship and that Terry obviously is young and he's you know, he's got a lot of energy and Bruce as we've talked about so often at this point is so world weary and just He's so just over everything. Not nothing excites Bruce. <laughs> nothing gets him, you know, nothing can really he's really unflappable at this point and nothing really gets under his skin, but he still has an appreciation for Terry. Um but you, we really don't get to see their other than them sort of having this witty repartee back and forth. We don't really get to see other sides or other dynamics of their relationships. We haven't, we haven't quite yet. I mean, we have maybe in, in the second ink episode where, where Bruce is willing to try and risk his life and put on the, the bat mech suit to come out and save Terry or, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of the other the subtle things that you see, but it's always nice when they come out like this and, and really giving you a clear look inside of what Terry's heart and head are for, for Bruce and why, uh, why he why he cares about him and for him to to recognize that Bruce that that line that he says you know Bruce has done so much for this city like he doesn't deserve to be put in the middle of a media circus which you know that clearly he he would become you know people would be lining up outside of Wayne Manor he wouldn't be able to like it would just be 
it would be the unmasking of the century and it would be the biggest news story in the history of Gotham as, as, mm-hmm. as this guy, as they sort of lead with. So yeah, that's, it's such an impactful little scene there. I, I, I really, really, really liked it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's interesting. You mentioned that because as, as the episode is sort of going on uh, peaks keeps having these stomach pains and we see, uh, you know, right as he's about to go into the studio to reveal Batman's identity, he, notices that he's unable to sort of maintain completely solid form, even when he's not wearing the belt anymore. And so he, he, I guess, tries to blackmail Bruce into helping him. He calls him to his apartment and kind of gets more and more desperate. And, and Bruce, Bruce keeps, you know, blowing him off and uh, even offers Bruce the, what he claims. Now we don't know for sure that that's true, but he claims the only unedited copy of the footage throws it at Bruce. Bruce still is about to walk out on him when uh, when Peak attacks him. And of course, Terry shows up to save the day. But how did you read that scene? Did you see that as Bruce maybe being willing to let this... Was this an I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you moment for this Batman or former Batman? It's a good question. Um, I, I think... I think at that point, uh, Bruce could see what was happening and he kind of understood. Now we go back to the not really understanding the, the way that the powers work or the inconsistency mm-hmm. of it. But you could say that um, Bruce started to th- or would, I don't know. I, I think they could have solved this by explaining that the belt itself because they talk about this belt that he was wearing that was what was giving him the powers to begin with and then all of a sudden he's going through this transformation and he's doing it without the belt like whatever the whatever the technology the science behind it is suddenly transferred to him and it's affecting him in this negative way right so if he Mm -hmm. um you know maybe if if they had said that you needed the belt in order to maintain some solidity or be able to do that from the get-go or bruce was or you know he he in their discourse peak reveals this to him or something like that, then I think it would have been less ambiguous, but they kind of, it, it does kind of seem like Bruce knew that he was just going to start falling through everything and that he wasn't going to try and save him at that point. He did turn his back on him, but maybe Bruce didn't realize that maybe he just thought it was, yeah, I don't know. That's a very good question. What, what, what did you think? I thought he was going to let him die. Like, because and I, the reason I think that is, as as he begins to you know when he turns completely uh, uh, tr- translucent again and begins to fall through the floor, Terry keeps flying down to different. Uh, they're you know they're in a high rise, so Terry keeps flying down to different levels of the building trying to get to him. Finally, he's in the parking garage and tries to grab at him, and and Peak sort of begins to regain his form, and Terry's really telling him like you got to focus, you can do it. He starts to pull him out of the ground and then he once again loses his, his, uh, his focus and kind of seems to be kind of losing his mind at the end as he falls back through and, and uh, Terry asks Bruce, what's going to happen to him. And Bruce very matter of fact, he said, he's going to fall into the earth's core. And then he makes a crack about how that's, that's as inside as he can possibly get or something like that. So it was very cold. I, I thought Bruce came off as very cold towards the end here and again he's being threatened with the one thing he never wanted to happen happening so i don't blame him for being agitated or not being you know not shedding a tear over the you know the apparent demise of this guy but just the way it played out it does feel like bruce should have at least like tried and you can say maybe he was playing hardball with the guy at first and then once the guy attacked him it was kind of all bets were off at that point right but yeah which is maybe how i'd prefer to think of it because the alternative is just that bruce went there and once he saw that he was losing his solid form you like well that's taken care of for me then and yeah yeah i don't yeah i don't think i didn't i didn't i see where that could obviously be be how it is i think just knowing knowing batman who batman is and maybe he just i i don't know i don't know it's hard. It's hard to say. Yeah, I think maybe once Bruce's attitude probably changed once he realized that he this guy was clearly blackmailing. I mean, he's trying to blackmail him essentially. Um, right. You know, so it, it, you know, Bruce 
understandably, again, he's, you know, in his eighties or whatever it is, he's been through all this stuff. He even says there's a conversation between him and Terry where it's like, I, I thought this would happen someday, but I never thought it would happen, you know, with a journalist like, like peak, you know? Um, so it, it's, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, what we know about Batman, especially how he's portrayed in this series is that he usually has a heart for those villains, even the ones that are like criminally insane. I think this person isn't criminally insane. So maybe he has, a, he's just kind of a skeezy guy that, uh, was rich got rich off of other people's misery so maybe he has a little Mm. bit less compassion for that because it's not a it's not a tragedy yeah i think i think that's fair i just i thought that was a very interesting way to to kind of characterize bruce in in that moment i thought leaving it a bit more ambiguous as to his his uh, final thoughts on the matter, I think is, is interesting. It's certainly an interesting uh, case study and uh, can provide some interesting conversation, but that can move us into our scores for plot here, Cal overall. Like I said, I think there's some inconsistencies uh, mostly in how the powers work, but overall I still very much enjoyed this episode and I gave it a seven out of 10. Nice. Yeah. I really, I mean, Overall, solid. I really, really enjoyed it. I th- there are some things that you can poke holes into, like the inconsistency of the powers and how the powers work directly. And, um, you know, maybe maybe a little, you know, interest, like un- unexplainable ending and sort of an- not anticlimactic because it's actually pretty scary. Like it's pretty... Mm-hmm. horrifying the way that it ends imagine just falling into the center of the earth but um y- there are some things that you can nitpick with it but i love the tension that's built with it's i mean it's a batman trope that that is one of those that goes across generations you know it's what's going to happen what would happen if batman's identity was exposed and he the thing that he's fought so hard for for all these years to keep his his anonymity I can't say that word anonymity, um, you know, to stay anonymous to, to, in order to be able to continue to fight crime and protect those that he loves, what would happen if that was exposed? Not only Batman Bruce, but also Batman Terry. What if Terry's, uh, Terry's identity was exposed. And there's actually a, a funny scene right before the, the special is supposed to air where uh, Terry's mom and his brother are sitting down to watch it. And, and Terry actually does the old Michael Keaton, Batman 89. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm Batman. I'm Batman confessing it to them. And they, they laugh him out of the building, which is, which is obviously a, another, another funny joke, a, a, a good, a good plot device there. But um yeah. So with that said, I, I ended up giving plot an eight out of 10 just because I think it is a unique, it's a unique villain. I like the, that idea of having somebody that is not straight up, like he's not straight up villainy. He could have used this to like pass through walls and rob banks or pass through, you know, pass through, uh, you know, government buildings and steal government secrets and sell them. But instead he's just kind of, he's not doing anything wrong. He's just kind of catching people in the act of doing underhanded or maybe just exposing secrets, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, maybe, uh, an Edward Snowden or, you know, some of the, some of the people that are really looked at in various different ways as mm-hmm. good people or bad people. Like some people see them as the devil and some people see them as just a, a person that is doing the right thing by getting story, you know, by, by getting the truth out there. So, um, of course this, this takes a turn and becomes more personal when it's about Terry and Bruce and exposing them. Um, and ultimately he kind of gets, gets what he deserves because his, his, him being the guy that was responsible for the death of this scientist, uh, is sort of the re- big reveal at the end that, Oh, wait a minute. He's not just a, he's just not, he's not just a guy who's exposing secrets. He's also somebody that's responsible for killing another guy and stealing his technology. So, uh, right. You know, so so maybe maybe not. But anyway, yeah, eight, eight out of ten. I think I think it's a very solid episode. It's fun. Um, I remember watching this when we were young. Um, uh, not in heavy rotation from my recollection, but I, I remember seeing it enough where I enjoyed it then. And it's despite some maybe some misunderstanding or some un- lack of clarity in how the technology works. I think it's a pretty fun <laughs> episode, nonetheless. Agreed. 
And that will move us on to the visual category, Cal. And we definitely have some uh, some interesting things to talk about. We talked about some of it in plot already, but certainly I think the the standout action scenes, and there really aren't, there isn't a ton of action in this episode, but what we have is these sort of, uh, this straight up fight scene that we get between Batman and Peak when he is uh, spying on the district attorney's office. And then the, the final scene, as we mentioned, when he sort of attacks Bruce and then, and then, uh, and then is sort of confronted by Batman and, and eventually starts to fall through the floor. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely. It's definitely a very striking visual. They sort of went with this, uh, it's sort of this blue and black kind of a Kirby crackle uh, yeah. going on all over uh, Peak's body when he's doing the, uh, the, uh, the phasing, when he's using the phasing belt. Uh, uh, that's certainly a very striking and memorable uh, visual. Yeah, I, I, that's absolutely the Kirby crackle is absolutely what I had written down there. Um, visually, it's a very interesting character. You just see the white eyes. And as you said, he's got this blue and black sort of crackle that sort of phases in and out and changes. Um, if, if, if Batman Beyond had gotten a proper toy line at some point, I think that would have been an interesting character to try to translate to that uh, action figure form. Uh, mm-hmm. as we've, we've talked about uh, here a lot. I feel like, you know, being an action figure fan myself or both of us being action figure fans, Batman Beyond really never got the justice it deserved when it came to, to getting his rogues gallery sort of fleshed out or as of yet. So uh, very, very toyetic, as they say in the, the toy industry, very cool looking colors that changing those spots kind of all over him. He had the white silhouette of the eyes. Uh, he still had the flipped up hair uh, of <laughs> uh, of Mr. Peak. And I, I appreciate the fact that they didn't draw it out very long. I think within the first 10 seconds, you could probably figure out that this is the guy who's responsible for it. But they didn't draw it out like it was a big mystery or surprise that the guy hosting the secret footage show is also the guy <laughs> taking taking the secret footage. So um, yeah, that was, that was one of the, the ones I had written down. Um, I also, uh, I also uh, had written down, let's see here. Uh, there's a, there's, there is a, a scene where Terry calls Bruce right after they, uh, they're, they announce that they're going to ex- basically expose the secret. And mm-hmm. Terry calls Bruce kind of panicking and Bruce is in the bat cave. He's wearing, wearing this uh, headset to talk to Terry and uh, he's standing in front of the bat suit ca- cases. And I don't know if you caught this or not, but he's standing perfectly in front of the Batman suit. Uh, and you see the ears still above his uh, above above him in the background from the bat suit in the in the mm-hmm. case. He lines up sort of perfectly with it. So it looks like Bruce has bat ears. And then he walks away <laughs> and you can see the suit sitting there behind him. And, and the suit actually looked a little closer to the I know this is pre Justice League, but a little closer to the justice league costume uh than the than even the new batman adventures the ears were pretty long i thought the way that the cow mm-hmm. nose looked was a little bit more justice league e i guess yeah it's funny how the the ears just kind of got, got longer uh um yeah I, I assume that's one that's the like the same static background they always use so i don't know i will have to look out for that in future episodes if the if the ears were just like subconsciously drawn longer in that background always, or if, if that was re I don't know if that background was redrawn for the close up there. And it just happened that the ears were a little longer, but yeah, to, uh, or if they were just drawn longer so that they could better stick up over uh, Bruce's head as he's standing in front of it. That's a, that's a fun little note though. Yeah. I, I liked that, uh, that imagery as well. And yeah, I, I enjoyed that, that final little bit there as, as the, 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 the power starts to kind of envelop him and first it's just sort of coming up in his stomach and his midsection area. And then it sort of travels up his chest and takes over his head. And then Bruce gets the, the nice quip in there about losing his head. Why'd you call me here? I can't control it anymore. And it's happening without the belt. So what do you want from me? My body's losing its substance. You gotta help me. You have the resources, that company, all those scientists. There are other companies. Yes, but Taka worked for yours. What does he have to do with this? I was the last one to interview him. Taka never would have talked to someone like you. You'd be surprised how obsequious someone like me can be when I need to. 
I have Taka's files and research right in there. I even have the belt he made. <laughs> you stole it. You're the one who started the fire. I had to have it. To him it was just some experiment, but to me it was power. A chance to kick my career into high gear. You can't leave. You gotta help me. Give me one good reason. I know your secret. I know who you used to be. You're losing your head. Wait! This is it. The only unedited footage from the cave. No one's seen it but me. Take it! And the uh, when when Batman shows up to knock him back, he sort of knocks him over his desk and into this chair, and you can see his uh, as he's laying there, his head and he kind of his head goes back and immediately goes right through the chair, and so and and as he's kind of standing there, and most of his body except for his legs and arms are has changed, so you can see his 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 uh, his torso kind of start to sink in before he raises himself back up when he grabs the gun, and then him uh, trying to shoot Bruce and Bruce and Terry and, and then the, his, his hand finally transforming and the gun just slipping out of his hand. Yeah. I think those are definitely the, the standout moments for me. And uh, yeah, I thought they were some really strong, fun visuals. And I uh, actually gave visuals an eight out of 10 this week. Nice. Uh, yeah. I gave it the same exact score. I thought the visuals, even though we talked about it, maybe them, how they were manifested was a little bit confusing. I think that initial fight that, that Terry and and Peek have at the at the the um, the warehouse where Ap- Terry's sort of chasing him across the rooftop and he's sort of phasing through walls and it's funny because Terry's first reaction was not to be like what I mean he's kind of like what but he continues chasing after him thinking like all right well I just saw this guy jump through a wall okay and he kind of keeps chasing after him and the fight ensues in the warehouse but I thought that that was that was actually it no blood or anything but it it was a pretty violent there's a lot of fists Terry kind of got his butt handed to him in that in that fight there um, so you know, very, very, very interesting in, in that and, and, a, and a decent fight scene there. And then I, I thought that Bruce coming out of the, the way that, so, uh, this, the special is supposed to air of course, and, and it doesn't, and it doesn't. So Terry immediately thinks something's up. So he phones the bat cave and Bruce does not answer. And then they cut to, uh, they cut to Bruce stepping off an elevator after uh, peak has called him to, to this meeting and Bruce steps off the elevator and for an 80, whatever he is year old dude, he looked cool as hell stepping off of that elevator. man. <laughs> like the shadow work that they did looked really cool. He's wearing his trench coat with the collar popped and um, you know, he steps off and he like, he's not taking any crap at this point. You know, he doesn't care. He's just like, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm just here. He even, I, we'll talk about it in a second, but Kevin Conroy's performance is really, really great in that scene. But uh, you know, the, the, the end battle, as you said, I think is definitely the standout of what the most interesting part of the visuals are. Um, you know, it, it's, it's difficult because there is a lot in this of sort of standing around and talking and, uh, you know, kind of observing and there's, you know, some, some talking that happens in the middle and them trying to do the investigation of who this person is. And so there's, there's a little bit of standing around. There's a lot of cutbacks to the actual program wrapping up and peak being in his program and dealing with a producer. And as you said, that the scene with the, uh, with the guys from the mob that show back up uh, to to try and kill Peak, there's some some action that occurs there as well. Uh, but but overall, I, I just think that it's visually it's it's pretty strong when all things are considered. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. It's I think it's definitely one of the the stronger points of the episode. And and yeah, even even with the the questions of the consistency of it, I, I definitely think those those that uh, that fight scene certainly stands out. So yeah, definitely a, a lot of fun uh, visual treats to be had. And uh, yeah, even even some of the minor things like the like you mentioned the the splicer cameo at the beginning and and seeing Paxton Powers and some of that other stuff that they 
threw in there at the beginning. I thought was pretty cool. And one other visual note I will mention, you mentioned the first guy we see is some boxing trainer and the boxer breaks into his room just as the report is airing. Uh, to confront the trainer about it. And that boxer happens to look like a slightly recolored version of uh, Clayface's alter ego from uh, uh, Growing Pains. Yeah. One of my, one of my uh, truly favorite episodes of any of these shows. And, you know, one day we'll get to cover that and I look forward to it. But uh, it is, I think it is literally just that character model with different hair. Like, I think they, <laughs> I, like, it's got the same, like, weird scar on the cheek and everything. So, yeah, it's, but I, I saw that, and I, uh, I, I, I once again invented some headcanon that uh, Matt Hagen is is theoretically immortal because of his condition, and he's now just making time as a, as a boxer. Dude, I love that. I love that headcanon. It's great. I did want to mention that there was one thing that sort of prevented my score from being a little higher, and that was there's one scene uh, from the get-go. Peak is drawn. He has, he has uh, no whites of his eyes. He has the for whatever reason they from the beginning of the episode he doesn't have whites in his eyes he still has the the sort of it's it's not quite the superman where he doesn't have the bottom of his eyelid um but he has a complete eye but just the the whites were not colored uh they were skin toned but then in one scene uh the scene where where uh terry saves him from his uh from the from the mob the whites of his eyes are colored in and it just stood out i was like wait a minute something's not right here something is inconsistent here what happened and it's interesting because i once i was like what happened and i say oh the whites of his eyes were colored in it's weird because typically we don't see when they don't the the uh, characters don't have those whites of their eyes there's no bottom eyelid so it just kind of it looks a little bit more like you know, a Scooby-Doo character, or like I said, like Superman or any of those that you don't really typically see the whites of their eyes. So when you see the bottom eyelid and it's not colored in, I just have, I was just thinking like, I, my guess is they had somebody else just do this scene when it came to the animation team. And they just assumed because there was a bottom eyelid that, okay, so I must have to fill these eyes in. And that's why the inconsistency occurred. Yeah, that makes that makes as much sense as anything because I I did note that that he didn't have the uh, the whites of his eyes for most of that. So that's that's funny that you pointed that out. But yeah, it's it's funny sometimes little things like that can uh, can kind of stick in your craw when it when it comes to stuff like that. But still, uh, very strong scores from both of us. Uh, moving on to music, of course, the music this week, as mentioned, is by Lolita Ritmanis. Um, one thing, the biggest thing I can say about music this week, Cal, is that there isn't a lot of it. Like there's multiple scenes that just have no music. Uh, most of the stuff in the bat cave, uh, when Terry goes to confront peak the first time after the secrets, you know, once he knows the secrets been revealed, um, there's just, there's just no music in those scenes at all. It was like, it, it felt like even we, we talk about that sometimes how sometimes the music hangs back more, more to to let the voice acting or the action speak for itself but man really i feel like there's a a lot of time where there was just little or no music going yeah it was very atmospheric like you get some strings and some synth i think in the background for a lot of those scenes where he's collecting the footage um it's and it's sort of meant because you're sort of the fly on the wall watching the fly on the wall um maybe the fly on the fly on the wall i don't know um <laughs> did we just invent something i think we just did i coined a phrase the fly, on the, fly on the wall uh so it, i think it's meant because the dialogue it needs to be the focus and there's sort of this eeriness about him being this spy watching from from the you know from the shadows uh it's meant to invoke that sort of creepiness and uh i think t- I think that that's you're right that it they intentionally sort of laid off of it. Of course, when the action beats come around, that's when you really hear the 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 music kick in. That the the scene, the initial fight scene in the warehouse, there's some music that kicks in there. There's music that kicks in when the mafia shows back up to try and to try and kill Peak. And and the music to me, the standout music really starts to come in uh, in that final confrontation between Bruce and Peak. And then of course when Terry Terry comes in, and then there's there's a bit of a tragic turn as we talked about with the actual plot of the of the story. Uh, you know, as he's sort of losing control and and he begins falling through the through the building the there's a bit of a tragic turn to the music and um it's it's sort of 
culminates as Terry reaches this bottom floor and sticks his hand out to try and try and get him to, to remain, you know, to concentrate and to remain solid so that he can not fall to the center of the earth. And uh, you know, it, all of a sudden Pete can't really concentrate anymore, I guess. And he sort of just goes insane and he starts laughing and that like the music really swelled in that, at that point. And I thought played up to that, very disturbing ending uh, to, for this character. So uh, those were the notes that I had on music. You're right. There wasn't a whole, whole lot. Uh, nothing certainly stood out as being, uh, you know, w- really, really noteworthy to me other than that, that final scene. Um, there's nothing bad, as we always say, no, no, no bad music here. Nothing that was distracting, nothing that uh, I, I felt deserved uh, any any negative points on it. But uh, I just went with a, a very middle of the road, six out of ten. And I, uh, I have the exact same score, wouldn't you know it? A, uh, a six out of ten for me as well, basically for all the same things that uh, that you mentioned there. Like I said, I, I think I was most struck by the the lack of music in a few scenes and uh, not not that I think that necessarily hurt the episode, but uh, certainly I think when in that scene we talked about and, and we'll talk about it a bit more in vocals. But uh, when uh, when Terry is talking to Peak and, and sort of pleading with him not to release the footage, I thought I thought that I was just surprised by the lack of music there. But yeah, I think it definitely uh, definitely does uh, does a little bit more of the heavy lifting in, in those later scenes. So definitely still some some good stuff there in the music department. And from there we will move on to our final category that is a voice acting. And we don't have a huge cast to talk about this week. We have uh, Paul Winfield briefly returning as Sam, as mentioned, we have a uh, veteran voice actor, Clyde Kusatsu as Jimmy Lynn, the mobster uh, brief appearances by Ryan O'Donohue as Matt. And uh, I, I'm going to save Terry Gar as Mary McGinnis uh, for a little bit later because she is the MVP of this episode to me. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, in addition to our leads, we have uh, Michael McKean as uh, as Simon Peake, uh, who folks might know from This is Spinal Tap, uh, more recently from Better Call Saul, and as voicing later on the sportsman in the Justice League episode Legends. Oh, uh, my did a, one of my favorite Justice League episodes of all time. Ab- absolutely. And uh No wait, uh, is Michael McKean actually from Australia? Uh no, he's from New York. <laughs> so why did they no explanation here uh for why they <laughs> gave him an Australian accent then? Other than maybe they were just like, Hey Michael, can you do an Australian accent? And he's like Sure, I'll let's try it out, and there we go. <laughs> well, I was gonna say he his accent, like I think he does an okay job overall, but like his accent varies between Australian and Kennedy's to me. <laughs> <laughs> and so all I could think of the whole time was the clip from the cartoon uh, Clone High, where the clone of JFK shouts, "Nothing bad ever happens to the Kennedys," <laughs> right before his car crashes. Um, and so that's all I could really think about is that it's like sometimes he sounds Australian, sometimes he sounds like he's maybe a, a descendant of uh, of JF, JFK and, and Ted Kennedy and uh, some of the other Kennedy dynasty uh, politicians of, uh, of the 20th century. So uh, that, like I said, I don't think he does a bad job. And I think he does come across as that this just slimy guy. And I think that's maybe why you're you're supposed to feel like a little bit more like righteous about the ending is that he wasn't doing this to expose the truth like you mentioned you know someone like edward snowden or, or someone like that some of the WikiLeaks guys um you know they're he's doing this for his own personal enrichment so i think he does come across despite some inconsistent accent i think he he does a good job of coming across as this kind of like slimy guy who's really just out for himself and nobody else yeah. And, and you're, you're right. I, I don't think I mentioned, I sort of compared him to some of those guys that are more controversial, but definitely have a little bit more, there's more defense, there's defensible activities, or at least some sort of justification in some of the, the real life examples of that, where this guy, you're right. He, his, his purpose for doing this was for financial gain. Oh, and also he murdered somebody in order to get, the, get the, <laughs> get the technology to be able to do this. So yeah, he's kind of a villain. I take, back what i said before uh but but yeah his his performance is 
is is fine like i said it's it i was wondering just because it seemed like a caricature of an australian accent at times and we'll have to uh we'll have to talk to our to our friends from from down under to find out there uh from superman the animated podcast to find out if uh if uh if if he feels like it's uh it's it's like when you hear somebody from england doing an american accent where it's like <laughs> there's not there's, it's not quite there like there's something off a little bit about it uh, yes it's, but it's in the like enunciation of certain words that don't usually get enunciated in that dialect like there's just something in there yeah we'll have to ask uh we'll have to ask nathan from uh, superman and the animated podcast for for his uh, his grading of this part part australia <laughs> part uh australian part uh like connecticut yankee accent that, the, <laughs> that michael mcgee does here it's some sort of cavern or cave but what it really is is a bizarre museum a museum filled with mementos of a nearly forgotten crusade against crime its chief curator is this man you know him as batman but he has another identity one that i'll reveal tonight on the inside peak Shway. but that's not all You'll also see the face of Batman's mysterious friend, and you'll find out what part he played in Gotham's greatest secret. A once-in-a-lifetime event. Only here, only tonight. But, uh, uh, we'll get to the uh, to the main event players in, in a moment here, but I do just want to mention, there are very few things, I think, since we've been reviewing these shows that made me laugh harder than, as we mentioned at the start of the episode, we get this giant over the top smack you in the face with a hammer foreshadowing of you wouldn't like it if this happened to you terry <laughs> and then like five minutes later they their uh, mom and matt are making popcorn and are going to sit down to watch the inside peak reveal batman's identity and will Friedel as terry is very you know very correctly is like you said this was terrible and that none of us should watch it <laughs> and terry carr as mary Mary McGinnis just goes, yeah, well, what do I know? (laughs) (laughs) Terry, I was afraid you were going to miss it. Miss what? You know, the inside peak. Everybody at school's talking about it. And it worked, too. Aren't you the one who didn't want us watching this? Uh, you said I wouldn't find it so entertaining if I was on the receiving end. Yeah, well, what do I know? I laughed so hard at that line. Like, <laughs> her delivery of such... Like, it's not that... It's like, it's not much of a joke. But it made me laugh so much because of uh, Miss Gar's delivery on the line. So I just wanted to give a special shout out to her because I thought that was very funny. <laughs> Yeah, she was really good. I, I think we also mentioned like the 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 takeoff of the Mike, uh, Michael Keaton Batman. I'm Batman, as Terry reveals to to Matt and and her and and she. They both like the animation is hilarious because both characters look like. Uh, I don't know. It, it reminded me of something you would see in Family Guy, where they laugh. You know, where pe- you know where the parents laugh at at Meg or something like that, where they're just like rolling, <laughs> like she's just like cartoonishly rolling and slapping the back of the couch as Terry <laughs> announces it's that he's like, Batman. <laughs> it's like it's like the scene in Little Big Head Man that like makes the cartoon to show Bizarro of <laughs> Superman. And Lois and Supergirl and whoever else just open, just lying on the floor, slapping their knees as they've (laughs) pulled one over on Bizarro by getting him to leave Earth. Like, that's what it reminded me of. It's just like, and it's like almost like not enough frames. Like they, they're in, they're sitting up in upright position. Then all of a sudden, like they snap and, and they're on there and they're on the ground laughing. Like it's, it's very, very, uh, very, very funny in, in the way that's delivery. But I thought that I thought Terry Gard deserved an extra shout out for, for her delivery of that line. Definitely a, a little bit of levity to a pretty serious uh, final act of this episode here, but Obviously, I think as as we've already talked about in plot, uh, uh, Will Friedel as as Batman slash Terry McGinnis and Kevin Conroy, of course, as Bruce Wayne, um, they're both great. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's not not maybe not breaking news, but they 
both have a lot to do with this episode. Uh, I think the last few times we've seen Bruce in the series, he's been kind of relegated to a backseat role where he kind of just gets a few lines of exposition or something to throw at Terry. And here this week, it's a plot because it affects both him and Terry. So personally, uh, it felt like both actors kind of had a, little, a lot more to, to sink their teeth into. And as you mentioned, Will Friedle is able to both have these kind of lighter comedic moments with his, with his brother and mom, but then also really, again, when he's, when he's pleading with peak to not, uh, not expose Bruce. And then certainly in Kevin Conroy, when he's uh, both talking to Terry on the phone and then when he has his confrontation with, uh, with peak, I think they're just both phenomenal. Yeah. They're really, really good. Um, as you said, th- that, that scene, between Terry and Peak, as we already mentioned, like that's the high to me, that's the highlight of the entire episode. It really gets to show Wilfredell's acting range, <clears throat> really being able to show that concern, that care that he has for Bruce. Uh, and then that the final scene with, uh, I mean, the interaction is certainly between between Terry and, and Bruce also, as, as always are so, so good. The chemistry that, that both uh, that Wilfredo and Kevin Conroy have with each other are, are, is just phenomenal and and works really well. And uh, the scene where Terry, you know, Terry feels the guilt for, you know, the blame for having bringing the Batmobile back and, and exposing Bruce's secret is really, really touching um, because you get to really see that's such a, honestly, it's such a Bruce thing for the Batman character to do, to take on the responsibility for something that he like the smallest, the slightest mistake, he, that feeling of him needing to be perfect all of the time. Uh, but because he's human, that's mm-hmm. impossible. Uh, and, but still taking the blame and feeling the guilt at that point that he's responsible for exposing Bruce's secret after all these years. Hello, it's me. There's this thing on the web. I know. They've been running it twice an hour since before dawn. How did he... He planted a camera in the Batmobile. No. I just found it. Then it's my fault. It's all my fault. I always assumed I'd be found out sooner or later. It's just galling that a piece of garbage like Peak had to be the one when you know obviously that's not not true but being able to have him uh show that range of emotion throughout this the certainly the 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 dread and the worry of of trying to expose his you know the secret being exposed of trying to get up the gumption to confess to his mom and matt and then them laughing at him and um yeah and i i mean kevin conroy as we talk about on every episode that he's on uh really good i think that that final conflict between him and uh where he kind of has a slight bit of sarcasm and you know a bit of an edge as we talked about you know whether or not he was sort of feeling uh justified in watching this guy kind of get his comeuppance um you know, is, is, is interesting. It it puts an edge kind of on that, that performance. And I think Kevin Conroy did a really great job of, of kind of seeing that, like he, he just, he's not, he's not there for being blackmailed. That's for sure. He doesn't, he's not, (laughs) he's not cool with that. Like he's not down with that. So uh, I think, I think Kevin's uh, uh, performance in this episode really, really, really did a great job of, of, of really expressing that, all right. It's been 80 some years of, uh, you know, or, you know, I've been Batman for 60 some years can like, this isn't, this isn't how it's going to end. Like, and I, I don't care. He just, you know, so yeah, really, really good, really strong performances all the way around. Um, I think the, the, the Australian accent for Mr. McKean was a little bit, it wasn't awful as we said, but it wasn't, it was a little inconsistent. So that maybe brought my score down just a hair. Uh, but I, I still gave voice acting a very strong eight out of 10. What about you? Yeah, I went seven out of 10. So right in that, uh, right in that same ballpark. Um, it's, it's, I think it's all pretty darn good. I don't, I, I think would be higher. I think Michael McKean, like I said, I don't think he does a bad job, but the, the accent is questionable. And I was trying to remember, we were talking about these different entertainment news shows. If this was like lampooning a specific, like entertainment journalist that I just don't know about or don't remember. Um, But I couldn't really find one that, that stood out. 
yeah. uh, as, as, as being worth lampooning. I guess they just decided, hey, let's try an accent for this character. And like I said, not bad. Um, but because he is in so much of the episode, like I said, I found it. I think I found some moments that weren't supposed to be comedic, a little bit more comedic with him because of the, because of the accent. And again, because all I could think about was nothing bad ever happens to the Kennedys. Uh, so uh, that that's uh, you know, all jokes aside, those still, uh, still strong scores from both of us. And will bring us to our final scores here, Cal and tallying everything up. I have a final score of 28 out of 40. Nice. Uh, I went just a, t- a couple ticks higher. My, my score ended up being a, uh, a 30 out of 40, which um, maybe feels a little bit stronger than, than it could be. But also, uh, you know, obviously we talked a little bit about how there were some a few tiny plot holes of a few tiny swings and misses on animation, um, a few tiny swings and misses on voice acting. So really, honestly, it, it could have also gone the other way too, where this could have been maybe a lot better uh, if some of the, they kind of tightened things up just a little bit in a couple of those areas. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's sort of, that's what se- separates the, the good episodes or, even pretty good episodes from the the great ones and that's uh, part of the reason we like doing this little ranking system is that it gives us some idea of what the uh, the, the true cream of the crop is uh, among these DCAU cartoons at least in our opinion so yeah still uh, as we as we move on here before we uh, completely wrap up the show we will uh, as always talk about rewatchability uh, what say you what's the verdict here because obviously this character doesn't come back but we do get some strong character moments for Bruce and Terry. So uh, what do you think? Is this a skip or a, a watch? So if we are bringing it down to a skip or watch, I think that in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't, it doesn't make a big impact overall. Uh, as you said, the character doesn't return, which would have been interesting if they had found a way to bring this character back. Because I think if he, let's just say that if physics are physics and he drops drops all the way into the center of the earth, he would then immediately begin returning back from the center of the earth. And he's, if he's completely non-solid at that point, then fire. And we already saw that fire didn't phase him in the explosion. So in that case, extreme heat wouldn't affect him. So that would be mm-hmm. an interesting thing if they decided to bring him back. And I guess maybe that could have been an explanation, but um, regardless, especially him knowing Bruce and Terry's secret. So him coming back to try and exact revenge, even if not under the guise of a, of a journalist uh, would have been interesting, but it, I think because it, it is just sort of a, a self-contained episode while there are good things, interesting things, it's an interesting concept. The tension of that, uh, of that exposing Batman secret is always a good, good use of, you know, use of, uh, in the plot. So our plot device. So I, I appreciate that. However, grand scheme of things, uh, if you're sitting down to watch Batman beyond and you need, you're telling your friend it's a uh, one and done, like, this is my one chance to show you, uh, this isn't going to be in the running to me as far as, as far as that's concerned. So I, I think in that case, I would have to say it's a skip. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair uh, appraisal of it. Um, I think you can certainly you can have some fun with it, but uh, if you're talking about the cream of the crop, either of the entire DCAU or even really just the Batman and Beyond, uh, uh, by our scores, I think we can you can kind of figure out this one is it's good. There's nothing wrong with it. Certainly, worse ways to spend 22 minutes, um, but yeah, definitely not a a must see either. Agreed. All right, Cal, and that will begin to wrap us up. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening, whether you are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, DCAUReview.com, or the PodTower YouTube channel. Uh, our new episodes will be dropping there as uh, the same day that they drop on all of the audio platforms. So if you are a, a YouTube listener, uh, if you prefer to uh, absorb your podcast that way, that's a new way for you to check us out as well but yeah uh, the great thing and the great thing about the the pod tower liam is is that you know we are uh in sort of a a conjunction there working with the the great guys over at uh, watchtower database who you know are some of the foremost and uh, most knowledgeable guys about 
the, the DC animated universe, all the shows that we cover, uh, but also our good friends over at, uh, at the Tim talk podcast are also a part of the pod tower. And uh, we've done some projects with them before where we've, you know, debated some of the best uh, DC animated episodes, the five quintessential DC animated universe episodes. We've, mm-hmm. uh, we've had some fun with those guys. Those are great. Those guys are great too. So the cool thing is you can kind of go and get all that content all in one area now. So definitely subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Uh, just search for pod tower. You'll find it, uh, subscribe to it and you'll get episodes from us. You'll get content from, from watchtower database and you'll get Tim talk stuff too. So uh, kind of keeping everything together there. And speaking of those guys, Liam, uh, we would be remiss not to plug uh, our latest uh, bonus sort of spinoff episode that we, that we launched this past week, which uh, we're very excited a, uh, a companion piece to this very podcast. We are calling it the DCAU review discuss this league. And that is uh, we are, we had a panel on, we talked to this on this very first volume. We discussed the, uh, the rumors regarding a Batman, the animated series reboot or revival for HBO max. Uh, so definitely check that out. That also is available on pod tower. And then of course, uh, if you haven't checked it out yet or subscribed, it's uh, it's on our regular podcast feed. So uh, the good folks can check those out as well. That is right. Had a great deal of fun talking with Chris from Tim talk, as well as Maddie from uh, watchtower database. So definitely check that out when you get the chance. And uh, as we wrap it up here, Cal, we are moving, a new month and of course that also means we'll be moving on to a new show that's right liam and uh we are excited because we are headed back to the expanded roster of the justice league of the world of justice league unlimited well it's all the same world as we always say but uh, it is <laughs> a series that we are covering that being justice league unlimited and we are kicking things off next month the month of march with the episode dark heart that's right. A lot of cool stuff in there. Uh, not only some things, some first appearances of characters and uh, certain plot devices like a certain giant space laser uh, that may or may not uh, come back into play later on. Uh, a lot of a lot of big noise and some uh, some fun guest characters as well. See, getting to see a whole bunch of that expanded Justice League in action in one single episode. So. A lot due in the month of March as we begin to review a few more episodes of Justice League there. And we certainly can't wait. But until then, I'm Liam. And I'm Cal. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.